Hi everyone, it's me, Rachel McDonald, your host for Talks with Tia. And this is your podcast on all things related to children and education right here in Jamaica. Today we are talking with a mom of three and a pediatrician. We're talking with Dr. Lisa Franklin Banton and we're just having a frank conversation as it pertains to back to school and what a safe return to school should look like right um we look forward to your comments we look forward to hearing what you're doing and we hope this sheds a little bit of light on your decision making process so please enjoy and let us know what you think okay perfect hi doc how are you I am so very well, Pierre Rachel. So good to hear you. It's wonderful to hear you. And I just want to say thank you for taking the time out of your really busy schedule to just chat with me today about back to school. Man. My pleasure. My pleasure. We're so grateful to have your expertise and your opinion today. Now, Doc, back to school has changed so much in the last couple of years. I mean, I find every year it changes, but this year I think back to school is on a whole nother level of just everything, uncertainty, stress, question signs, you know, as it relates to health and sanitation and everything. And um, I just want to pick your brain a little bit as we as we guide parents and stakeholders into sort of safely going back to school. So I want to ask you a very controversial question right from the get-go. Should we really, Doc, be encouraging a return to, to school in September 2020? Boy, Tia Rachel, I'm going to be totally honest with you. Some days I say yes, some days I say no. So I, I really am conflicted myself. Mm-hmm. I do believe that kids need to go back to school. I think socially, emotionally, from mental health-wise, I think our kids definitely need to be back in school. Our kids do better when they are in a school environment for so many other reasons. But of course, we have to take into consideration the safety of our kids. So what I've been saying to my parents is, I mean, most schools so far, um, they've given you sort of a comprehensive plan of how they intend for the kids to come back to school safely. And that's my big thing. If we can guarantee as much as possible, because I know we can't 100% guarantee, but if we can put things in place for our kids to go back to school safely, I am all for our kids going back to school. Definitely, definitely. And what would you consider, Doc, to be some of those sort of safe guidelines or pointers that we should be looking out for? What, what's, a, what's a no-brainer for you and what's a must-have for you? I mean, you're a mom of three boys, so I know you're also looking at it from a, a maternal point of view. What, what matters most or what are you looking at as a mom and as a doctor? Okay, so first of all, as I said, my, the school that my kids go to, they have to show me that they're prepared, prepared from the get-go. So mm-hmm. having policies in place, and it even starts before the kids get into school. So Definitely. I need to know that you are thinking through the process. I need to know that you're encouraging your parents to have their school physicals done, to have their immunizations up to date. I need to know that you um, stated that sick kids are not allowed to come back to school. Absolutely We've opened not. up our borders, persons have been traveling, so, you know, things like that need to be put in place even before school begins. 
if you've traveled, if you have anyone sick in your household, if you have anyone visiting from overseas, encourage them to stay at home for the prescribed time to be, and then they come back to school once we know that all is well. So that's even before we get into school. I Definitely. think those and those um, things need to be stated very clearly. Absolutely. Absolutely. So we're looking at policies in terms of just preparations to house students again physically. Are you looking or should parents be looking for things like temperature checks in the morning, sanitizing before you're entering? I mean, are those, whilst I know most schools are doing that, how critical is it that we look for those things and demand those things and hold schools accountable to offer those things? Oh, for sure. I definitely think that um, for me, I need to know that my school is te- checking temperatures in the morning, that they're sanitizing. Now, don't get me wrong. I know that we have a lot of asymptomatic um, persons walking around. So there are persons walking around and we check their temperatures, they're fine, but they're COVID positive. However, there are also persons walking around not realizing that they're not well, that the temperatures are slightly elevated, and at least we can pick those out. So I do think, yes, putting things in place in terms of temperature checks, in terms of um, sanitization, so making sure that you have sanitizing bays, mm-hmm. water. A lot of our schools may not have enough um, areas where our kids can wash hands. Right. Like Portable water. Mm-hmm. It's just so important that these measures are taken. Absolutely. Now, Doc, I know that in schools, many schools, we have children who are considered to be at a slightly greater risk. What sort of preparation should we make in terms of those children? Ideally, should those children be coming out and exposing themselves? I know a lot of parents are very hesitant at this time. I mean, I'm thinking about children who may have asthma, children who may be sickle cell or display the sickle cell trait. I mean, a lot of children display health issues. Should they be considered differently? What, what sort of guidelines do you have for persons or families with children who display those issues? Definitely. Those kids need to be taken into special consideration. So I've had some of those questions as well. You know, parents saying, Doc, you know that Peter has his cough or his asthma. Right. I do have um, persons with sickle cell. And for me, I think those persons should stay at home. I think they are definitely at a higher risk. Um, and I have been advising those persons to really reconsider the school setting for now. I mean, especially mm-hmm. in light of the fact that our cases have been rising. Yes. Um, so we here in Jamaica have been having an increase in cases. Um, I I am not sure if they have um, deemed it as community spreaders yet, but there are definitely a lot of cases that are under investigation. So they're not they're not in sure. clusters. Mm-hmm. They're not linked to a, a known case. So right. as far as I am concerned, there may be some community spread out there. So we really don't know. And I mean, persons like sickle sticklers who have sickle cell asthma. Even though we know that generally our kids have been doing well, we mm-hmm. also know that those persons with comorbid, comorbid conditions or other illnesses, those persons are at greater risk. So for parents who have children in their home who have these illnesses, I would really think very hard about sending them back out to a formal school setting. Mm-hmm. And again, it really depends on the setting. So if it is that you're going into an environment where maybe there are only five kids in the class, then mm-hmm. sure. That's something to be considered. But if we're going back out to, I mean, granted, at this stage, nobody should be going back out to 40 persons in the class. I think already um, guidelines coming out to the ministry stipulates the number of kids in the class. And I think quite a few schools are 
doing the best to you know, shift yes. system yes. Um, so that at the, there's a limit to the number of persons in the class. But definitely, if you have a child in the world who's ill, who have other comorbid illnesses, you really want to, to think very hard about sending that child back home to school. Definitely. And I guess parents and family members should consider their exposure as well. So they should possibly even look at them going back out to work. I know they have to work, but I mean, just exposure that they can, you know, be, be faced with as well. So... Yeah, we, we spoke about kids going back up, but then we also have the unique situation where there are persons in the home whose parents may have illnesses um, that, that they too are put them at, at high risk, you know, mm-hmm. hypertension, diabetes, cancer. Exactly. So that is also something to consider. We're, we're thinking about the kids, but we also think we have to also think about the home that those kids come from. What does that home look like? What do the persons in that home look like? Do you have a lot of elderly persons in the home? So you also have to take that into consideration as well most definitely and you know it is believed and it is it has been argued that a lot of developing countries have households and communities and living quarters that have children under 18 as and and also adults including those we consider elderly and with comorbidity so that is a big big factor to consider from a i guess from a policy point of view of as, as we as we talk reopening so that's something that we really really need to remember and I guess we should put at the forefront of all discussions. For sure. You know? For sure. You know, Doc, I also read something recently that said that because things have been closed for such a long time, because of COVID, a lot of children are behind in terms of immunizations. A lot of parents don't want to go out, don't want to take the children out, so they're not up to date with their immunizations. How important is it for us to be immunizing our children before they go back out to school? I know no one has been talking about immunization. Everybody has been focused on COVID. It's actually very important that we ensure that our kids are up to date with their immunizations. I mean, the last thing you want is to have a preventable disease in the face of mm-hmm. COVID. Um, so, I mean, all of our World Health Organizations, they are strongly recommending that we ensure that our kids are up to date with their immunizations. I know that there's a lot of fear, as you said, with parents taking what may seem to be a well child out into an environment to put them at risk. Right. Um, but I know that a lot of our doctors offices have put things in place to ensure that the environment is as safe as possible so don't let that be a hindrance you definitely need to get those immunizations up to date definitely and again just a reminder to our listeners that there are vaccinations that need to be administered to children for them to be admitted to school and schools have the right to deny admission to children who are not vaccinated. I mean, it's a legal requirement. So parents, please ensure that your vaccinations are all up to date. It is so important, right? Um, as, I, as, I, as, I, as I listen to you, Doc, I have a hundred different questions going through my mind and I'm, I, I go back I go back to back to school when I was a child. So I know summer holidays, or as we were coming to an end of summer holidays, meant good old-fashioned Jamaican washout. And when we would get that washout at the end of summer, we never got sick. There was no common cold. There was no nothing. The only thing that you'd probably get would be like chicken pox, whooping cough, and that's about it. But there was no getting sick as often as our children get sick. You know what I mean? How important, I mean, do, do you see any relevance in that nowadays? I mean, I don't know if children are still doing washouts the way we did washouts, but it's our deworming, probably. Is, right, is, does right. that have a place right now in light of all of this COVID? 
I'm not sure that um, um, the, the, the kids today do get washouts in the, in the sense that we did, but oh I do still recommend deworming. I mean, we do still recommend that kids be dewormed at least twice a year. Twice um, a year. Mm-hmm. Back to school is a good time as any to, to do it. You know, your summer holiday, you're outside and all the dirt and all of that. Um, so, you know, back to school is a good time to, to do that. But we still do recommend that they get dewormed at least twice a year. Twice a year. Okay. That's good to know. Um, <laughs> um, I can't get off of the deworming and the washout. But that ties into my next thought. Um, and that is a, that, that's that of nutrition. So as parents get ready to tentatively go back out to school, a lot of cafeterias, a lot of canteens are going to be closed. And parents are going to be stuck with trying to pack meals for the entire day. And you know what happens when parents have to multitask and do everything. So I feel as if a lot of parents are going to really neglect nutrition. And I know at this time, time in in you know when all of these things are flying around and we have to maintain health we want to talk a little bit about nutrition and why it's important doc for our children especially our young children that, that's a very valid point because i'm not sure well i mean i don't have statistics but i i mean for me personally getting up and packing lunch every day is not something that i ordinarily do you know you right. have to rely on getting food from the cafeteria mm-hmm. getting food from from you know from the cafe at school um and i do know that that's something that the schools or at least the schools that i'm okay with have been taken into consideration how are they going to deal with it one school has opted that no everybody has to bring their lunch to school so right. yes it's it's very important that that's something that our parents have to bear in mind because, I mean, nutrition, we need to have our bodies built because if we are going to confront any illness, um, you know, COVID, any illness, um, if we are, if our bodies don't have the, the, the nutrients and are built up, then, you know, we are more susceptible. So definitely nutrition is something that we would have to bear in mind. So you're going to have to think about how you're going to pack that nutritious lunch, remembering your fruits, remembering your vegetables, um, you know, your whole plate. Um, how are you going to pack that lunch to ensure that, you know, your kids are, are fed well? And it, it can't be a... Mm, that's how you know a second option it, it, it just has to be done and also keeping it um to some sort of degree of safety so you know what i mean um making sure that the banana i just think of the easiest way out you know like a banana you peel it you put it in your mouth you eat it you don't want to make it too difficult or requiring people to touch or you know it, it's just a it's just a lot to consider now eh Absolutely. I mean, it is a lot. There are so many things we have to take into consideration. And the thing about it is that you may spend time considering all of this and then come September morning, as we say, Mm -hmm. there may be no school. We may be back to the whole online. So I think our parents have to be, and we have to try to prepare ourselves as parents and our kids that... Mm -hmm. The future is so uncertain, it's so fluid that we, we just have to be prepared for anything because we really don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. Absolutely. So the concept of education preparing you for the future is gone. It's now education preparing you to navigate life's challenges as they exist right, right now. You know what I mean? So yeah. as, I, as, as you were talking nutrition, Doc, another thought crossed my mind. 
It's the fact that so many of our children have been at home for the past. It would be a total of six months if they go back out in September. And everybody has just been sort of at home, sitting around the computer or a device around the table. And we're talking a little bit about children who may be a little bit more plump or fatter because they are not doing the amount of, or they're not getting the number of physical hours or the, um, activities that they were once doing. I mean, how important it is or how do we get kids moving again or get them in the habit of moving again and safely so a lot of schools that i have been working with recently have or are not starting back extracurricular so that means no to the football no to the tennis no to the run up and down after school and that is a source of concern because children need to move that blood needs to flow so that they can process and they can think things through do you have any sort of suggestions or guidelines or input as it pertains to the return to the physical and the extracurricular activities that too Tia is such an excellent point I mean um, I've seen some kids and the weight that they've put yes. on in this period it is like oh my it is worrisome. It's really such a good point and as you said there are some schools that have decided okay if there's something we're going to compromise on it's not going to be the fit but then you know you have to take into consideration how can this be done safely I mean mm -hmm. I think physical activity from, from a home point of view is something that needs to be you know, emphasize from home as well. So we as parents, we need to model that behavior. And if it is that, you know, football is no longer happening, swimming is no longer happening, physical is no longer happening, there are things that we can do around the home, you know. We can go for walks in our neighborhood if they are safe. We can get right. things like skipping rope, just moving. I mean, I, I sometimes just have a dance off in my house, just play music and move. And when I'm finished, I am sweating. So I, 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 I mean, I am, my, when it comes to physical activity, that's just not a compromise for me and my family. We're you all have to very move. active, so it's not really a challenge, but we find ways to move, and I think that parents have to recognize that they too have to, to be innovative and find ways to move, and it, it comes as a family. I think if we all do it as a family, parents, um, kids, um, then we will, we will do a lot better, but definitely um, something to consider. I mean, the whole thing with nutrition and going back to school, is, the flip side is that um, there are some kids who depend on, on going to school for nutrition. Absolutely, so that absolutely. That is also a challenge, you know. So those kids on the flip side, they are really losing out. So there's just so much. There's it just is. so much to consider at this time. It is. It yeah. can be a little overwhelming at times. It has been overwhelming, and I mean, and we 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 we've been thinking and talking a lot about us us as adults, us as teachers, us as parents, us as school administrators. But we haven't really been talking a lot about our children and how they feel and why they need to come back to school in terms of social and emotional support and development and just, just what that will entail if and when they do return. I mean, getting in the habit of taking turns. You know, things as simple as that. As, as I mean, dealing with it in, in, from the perspective of let us look at it as a post-traumatic stress disorder, for example. I mean, these children have been processing COVID seriously and aggressively. And, and as a result of that, sorry, someone just came in and I just totally lost my train of thought. I'm so sorry. Um, and as a result of that, you know, our children will need this extra support. They're going to need to be, to be, to be listened to, to be, you know, they, we're going to have to make them feel as if they're a big deal. And I mean, I just, I just, I myself am uncertain about how to make this happen it's just so many moving parts 
And I think it's important to know that I don't think any sort of perfection will exist. I don't know what your thoughts on that are. It's just something that it's a work in progress and it will be a work in progress for a while, eh? No, man, it, that, what you've said is so true. I mean, I, I, I've seen, you know, in, in a lot of the WhatsApp groups, a lot of our parents are talking about, oh my God, they're so far behind in school and they're so this yes, and they've missed yes. out and blah, blah, blah. Everybody's talking about that. Are you even stopping to think where the mental state was? I mean, in my own household, so, I mean, I thought, gosh, my boys are doing really well. And there was one day in particular where one of my kids got a chance to go and spend some time with some friends. And when he came back, he was just bursting. He was like, oh, my God, that felt it. so good. And all along, I thought he was doing okay. I thought, oh, it's not a big deal. He has his brothers at home. He's fine. But he, you know, deep down, they want to connect with their friends. They, they need to connect. To back out there. So as I, there they are. There are lots of moving parts, a lot of things to consider. It is a, a work in progress. I mean, this the impact of, of COVID is going to last for quite a while. Absolutely. And it is just really, really scary. Um, as, we, as we think about that, Doc, I know I have come across quite a number of children who you know, are paranoid or their families are paranoid about them coming back out to school because, oh my gosh, Rachel, they're going to have to wear a mask. And I'm like, yes, mask wearing is, 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 is not optional. I guess it's only not allowed or not encouraged if it is, you can correct me, if you're two years old and younger, correct? Correct, correct. So everyone above two years, if you're two years and younger, we don't um, encourage or recommend black, um, um, mask, but definitely two years and above, you're expected to wear a mask. Okay. Now, when is it okay for a child to not wear a mask? Because I have parents who ask me, well, remember, she's on the spectrum and she has Down syndrome and this is the situation, she can't wear a mask. And I'm like, but yes, she is seven. It is required. What, what are your thoughts on it? When is it okay for them not to wear a mask? Um, so, oh, boy. So... It is necessary for all of them to wear a mask. So unless you are going to have that child in a space, a wide open space, physically distanced from anyone, um, you know, they're keeping their hands to their side, they're not touching anything and they're putting their hands to their face. So I do think that we have to consider some mask-free time for some kids. Right. And that has to look, um, you know, you have to be really careful about how that looks. So maybe an open space where they just get a chance. Because it's rough. I mean, as adults, I, I have to wear a mask for eight hours throughout the day. And believe you me, there's sometimes rough. I'm just gasping. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is just, it's just hard. So I can imagine for some of those kids, some of those kids who are on the spectrum, I mean, ordinarily it's a challenge for them. Having them to have this thing over their face, I understand it's a challenge. So you do have to take those kids into consideration. Perhaps, as I said, some, have some sort of mask-free zone that is yes. safe. So an open area on the field where they're allowed to just take off the mask for a little while, you know, where they're away from other persons, um, you know, hands are washed and sanitized prior to that so that if they happen to put their hands in their face, we have clean hands. So I think you can put things in place for those persons, but to say that throughout the day they're not going to wear a mask, that's going to be a problem. I think, Doc, the Early Childhood Commission has encouraged, they have, uh, they have 
prepared a set of reopening protocols for all the early childhood institutions. And they have actually encouraged a mass free time when children are outside and they get a chance to just literally breathe. Um, so that is positive and that is good. But, um, you know, parents and adults have a lot to say about masks and there's a lot of stereotypes or myths about mask wearing. Like, you know, they, they, they believe that the mask will trap the carbon dioxide that, is, that we're breathing out and I don't want the child to breathe back in. The, just drama. Like, is there any truth to that myth? Is that a real myth? You know? So, so there is such a thing as, I mean, in, the mask that we are wear, wear, wearing, they mm -hmm. are rebreathable. So the chance of trapping carbon dioxide and having a decreased amount of oxygen, no. I mean, if that were the case, we would not, we would not advocate the wearing of masks. We're not going to advocate something that we think are, is going to be detrimental to the health of those around. And we are all wearing our masks and we all are seemingly fine. So, right. they're, you know, pretty much that's a myth. Um, it's not a problem. Um, and as adults, we, we have to embrace that and not find excuses for our kids. Remember, we have to lead by example. And if we are making up these excuses and having all kind of reasons why they're not supposed to wear a mask, the kids themselves aren't going to understand the importance of wearing a mask. So we have to lead by example. As parents, we have to lead by example. Absolutely. So just like how when we used to get children in the habit of going to bed early for back to school, maybe we can get them to start wearing the mask little by little every day each yes. day a little I, longer that's, that's exactly what i've been telling especially the young ones i mean mm -hmm. there's some young ones that come in the office and they're fantabulous they wear the mask they're not touching and then there's those as they come in the office they're ripping the mask off and i'm saying to, to those parents you know if this child is going back to school we have to do practice we have to practice you know get a little teddy bear show them wearing wearing the mask you wear your mask Definitely. and as you said bit by bit so every day have that mask on for a longer period so that they get used to it we do have to practice so i do agree with that here okay good so we can probably now is a good time to start since we're about two three weeks into into back to school so now is a perfect time to parents to start doing it little by little doc do you do you recommend a particular type of mask because i have seen some elaborate masks and parents tend to go sometimes a little bit overboard to try and compensate for the child wanting to wear a mask. Is there a particular type of mask that you would say, okay, this is what we want children to be wearing, or this is what we do not want children wearing? Just as a sort of guideline for our parents. I actually don't have specifics. Um, I mean, I, I really don't have a specific to say, oh, it must okay. be made out of this material. It but like disposable cloth, I, I didn't get that. Sorry. Sorry. Would you recommend like disposable masks for the young children and the middle aged or well, a middle age, but like the older ones, primary age, secondary age, just disposable perhaps? Um, I, I, so I think they can wear the cloth mask as well, the reusable mask. Mm -hmm. And I think it, it really goes down to what you are comfortable in. I, I just want them to wear a mask. Whether Properly. it's a disposable mask or a cloth mask, whichever one. Um, you're comfortable using. I don't think there's one that is more um, superior. Well, I mean, unless you're going to really get into the nitty-gritty, like the N95, the ones that the medical personnel wear and they really fit snugly, um, you know. But it, it really doesn't matter. We just want them to be to be wearing a mask and one that they're comfortable with and that they will wear throughout the period of time that they're supposed to. Okay, so then, Doc, in, in light of that, then, once children go back to school and they're in the classroom and they start to sweat, should they be taking with them a 
like three or four masks to school a day to change them? Should, is it recommended that they stay in the same mask all day? I know doctors can. Um, what, what, what's ideal for them, considering yeah, they are active and all of that? I definitely do agree that they should have extra masks at school. I mean, kids will be kids. They're going to get soiled. They're going to get wet. You don't want them walking around with a, a mask that, that's all wet and soiled. And so definitely they need to have um, extras um, on hand that they can, they can use. Okay. 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 That's a very good recommendation. So I guess the back to school list now is going to look a little bit different. So in the past, you would be concerned with getting X number of pencils and notebooks and everything. Now, I guess our back to school list must include masks. Sanitizer, sanitizer and wipes. Um, I even put liquid hand soap in, 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 in it, you know, in the event that you go and there's no hand soap. So definitely it's mask, hand sanitizer, even a face shield um, that can be put thrown in the mix as mm-hmm. well. Um, so those are definitely necessities for back to school, for the student to go back to school. Wow, that's good. That's really good to consider. Thank you, Doc. And then I guess, um, I guess the only other problem or the only other issue would therefore be the school to fulfill its part in, 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 in terms of adhering to mask wearing, adhering to these protocols that have been set out and making sure children continue what we are doing at home or what we're encouraging to be done at home and making sure their spaces are clean and sanitized as often as possible too, eh? Yes. Definitely, definitely. Ensuring that there's the correct distance between the desk at school. Ensuring right. that, um, you know, we, we've spoken a lot about the, the kids, um, the teachers themselves as well need to be adhering to these rules in terms of their face mask, yes, in terms of hand washing and sanitizing. Some of them may opt to wear face shield, as I said. Um, encouraging our kids not the physical distance, um, the social, the physical distance. I mean, I know it's going to be so hard for some of them. They haven't seen each other for oh March the 10th, and you're so excited to see each other. You want to hug, you want to touch, touch. Um, but we, we unfortunately have to sort of discourage that. We're not, we're not hugging, we're not and, touching. And that touch is so important, distance. especially at early childhood. You know what I mean? You know, you're going to have them coming out to school for the first time and crying. What do you do? You can't really hug them up. I mean, like, it's so rough. It's going to be so difficult. I mean, that is what would soothe and calm and, you know, send that message. I mean, it's going to be so hard. I mean, children look towards teachers to their faces to see emotions, to, you know, and, and, and a lot of these masks, you can't see your mouth, you can't see your nose, so you're going to be devoid of a lot of emotions. It's a really, really difficult time for parents and, and, and families and children. I didn't even think about um, that. I mean, that is a, such an excellent point. I mean, one of my highlights of going back to school September morning is seeing the kindergarten teachers. And the smiles and the energy and the eyes lighting up, you know? It's, it's going to be so difficult. Hello, Doc. Hello, Doc. Crowded, so we don't want too many parents sticking around. So that's another Doc, thing that some have implemented. Doc, we just um, lost you. Can you repeat that again, please? Oh, no. I'm saying that, that, that that's such a, um, you know, one thing that I'm so used to seeing it on September morning are the teachers encouraging the parents to leave and trying to soothe the little ones, but that yes. really cannot happen. No, there um, can be no year, parents. As you said. No parents, limited physical 
limited yes. physical numbers and contact. Yes, yes. So I was saying that maybe we can encourage the, encourage the parents to stick around, but that's a problem too because we um, can't have all those parents sticking around because we want to decrease the number of persons within a space. So it is, it is going to be challenging. It is going to be challenging. And something else for us to factor in as we talk about transition and we talk about after school and back to school, I guess, I guess it's just one of those situations that we have to weigh the pros and cons as they are unique to us and to, to our households and to our families. I guess it's no one size fits all. Um, homeschool is an option. Going out to school is an option. Um, but I guess what matters the most, eh, Doc, is the, is the health and safety of our children, eh? Absolutely. And as you said, there's no one size fits all answer. You have to analyze the situation for yourself, for your family, and do what is comfortable for you at this time. Don't make anyone make you think, oh, why are you being paranoid and not sending your child out? That's your right. Why don't make anyone say, oh, why are you sending your child out? Don't you see? That's your right as well. You do what is right for your child and your family, taking all things into consideration. There was this um, post that I saw. Are you sending your preschool out to school? Yes. Are you sending? No. Neither answer is wrong or right. It's doing what you think is, is right for your child. Definitely. And I know that Jamaica is not necessarily a culture that values individual thought. You know, we, can't, we tend to ride on what this one is doing and what that one is doing. But I guess it is the perfect time now for us to encourage reflection and for us to consider our situations as unique and to try our best to, to, to make decisions based on what matters most to us. Absolutely. Uh, very well said absolutely wow boy doc it's just a lot it's just a whole lot but i'm glad we were able to have this conversation i'm glad i hope that we're able to shed some light um on 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 back to school and um we look forward to persons sharing their questions and concerns with you right doc we can access you on instagram and social media can we Yes, yes, we can. So my Instagram handle is we are kids J A. I'm on Facebook as well. Um, feel free to send me an email. Um, you know, I'm there, so feel free. Perfect, Doc. Well, Doc, we wish you a safe and a wonderful back to school if you so decide to do so. And um, we just want to tell you again, thank you for taking the time to talk with us. I mean, you've you've really. Um, brought a lot to the to the to the table in terms of what we should be doing and now i know i have a lot more to, to think okay, about there's one area here that we didn't even <laughs> touch on so let me just quickly mention that there are those of us who have to take public transportation oh, yes, yes, to get to yes, school. yes 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 you know so that also puts another level twist on things yes Absolutely. So, you know, those persons having to take public transportation to go off to school, I mean, you know, our transportation system is not ideal. I mean, we don't, you know, a lot of times you, you see, mm-hmm. a, a lot of times you see the buses are crowded. Um, you know, how is that the going buses to, and the taxis. That going to look like? A lot of our children come in buses and taxis, you know, and... Yes. You know the seating arrangements, you know the air conditioner the lack thereof, you know the masks and the not wearing of the mask. I think yes. that's something that parents really need to consider too. I know a lot of schools did surveys and they, say they shared or they should have shared surveys with their families to sort of get information in terms of numbers that they could have made sort of 
used to create their policies. But that is something that we haven't considered. What sort of advice do you give parents of children who have to rely on taxis, on buses yeah. to get to school? Yes, that, that's, that's a tough one. Um, you know, I mean, in, in instances like that, I would suggest if, you know, carpooling, mm-hmm. um, so there are smaller areas, you can at least control those who are in the car, making sure that everyone is wearing their mask. Um, but definitely, definitely um, something to consider for those who, you know, who, who have to rely on public transportation. I know in the States, um, you know, they have school buses, um, a lot of what they're doing is assigned seats on the school buses and physical distance thing being practiced on the buses. But we don't have school bus systems like, like those in other countries. So, you know, it's hard to even assign a seat. It's hard to even instill certain protocol. I mean, I saw some kids going back to school and, they, you know, as the bus door opens, they're sanitized, they're temperature checked, they're going into their assigned seats. We don't have that. I mean, I don't, I don't know how we can get that operational for our many children who rely on transportation like that yep i mean for we we know that um the older kids have to go back to school for their external exams mm-hmm. and as i was driving around during that time and you see the older now these are older kids we're not talking about the younger ones yeah, man, these are the they're high congregating at the bus stops they're they're no mask they're in each other's face and i'm saying to myself oh, oh my, my goodness. goodness if these are the older kids who should be able to understand the importance of wearing their mask, physical distancing, and they are able to get it. What's going to happen to the younger one who, who, you know, what's going to happen? That is a very good question, Doc. That is just a really good question and one that we need to seriously consider as we gear up for reopening. Right? It is, it, 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 it brings a whole nother level of scary to me and um and just concern and just yes. serious concern oh boy oh boy I mean, the other thing i, I mean I, this, this conversation can just go on and on the other thing that that my school had to say to me as well so what are your plans should god forbid you find that there is a positive case amidst you what 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 are, what are your plans how are you going to deal mm-hmm. with that mm-hmm. so these are this is also something that you have to deal with and, you know if you have a, if you're at school a child falls ill is there an area that you're going to have that child isolated they should there have they should have isolation areas be assigned mm-hmm. to that child you have the appropriate ppe protective mm-hmm. um um garments to 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 ward against that child these are all things that have to be answered for me before Definitely. my boys go back out to school. I need to know that you've thought it through. I know no no plan that we have is going to be 100% foolproof, but I need to know that you've at least had things, you've thought of these scenarios, and you, you know how you're going to respond should something like this happen. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. I know that the Ministry of Health, has been assisting schools in terms of preparing schools and getting them ready in terms of guiding them in what your isolation area should look like in terms of working a plan for you and most schools or not well I, I can't speak about most schools but I know some schools have been aggressively working their plans aggressively working through scenarios and just thinking them through as they should and they have been busy preparing policies and um subsequent procedures um in the like in the unlikely event of of those things happening um boy it's just it's just so much you know it's just so much doc it is it is (laughs) it is 
But, I mean, like you said, I know we could have this conversation go on for the rest of the day, but we don't want to. We want to keep it short and sweet. Um, we want to give persons the, the general basic facts. And if they have more questions and concerns, we will are, well, we are happy to, to, to talk some more with them. We know how to find you, our favorite medical practitioner. Um, and we're grateful again, Doc, for your time. Thank you. Thank you so very much for having me, Tia. Um, I'm really grateful for the invitation. It has been something that I, too, you know, speak about all the time. So thank you so much for having me. I think it's just so important, Doc. And I guess, you know, everybody playing their part, I think I think what is absolutely needed as we move forward, not just for health or education, is just this sort of cross-sector collaboration. And now is the perfect time to show, to, to, to lead by example, perhaps, you know? Yes. Yes, for sure. All righty, Doc. Well, thank you again. And I know that we'll be in touch. My pleasure. My pleasure, Tia. Thank you for having me again. Thank you, Doc. Okay, bye. <laughs>